It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller Simone, and normally I am joined by the majority of my squadron. They're still having some issues uh, logging into the meeting room and will probably be joining us momentarily. But I do want to introduce you to one of my squadron mates who actually made it today, Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine. Jimmy, how are you today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay, CJ, and... This is a, kind of a bittersweet day today, and I, some good things happening for our team, um, and so, some unfortunate things that happened to our team, and that's exactly what it is. He was part of our team, and uh, something, something that just, it happens, it sucks, but as you can see by the names, um, we lost we lost a great man here and uh hard to carry on hard to carry on with you know with the thought of not him, of him not being here anymore but we love you bruce we, we're gonna miss you man yeah i completely agree with you um in, in case you do not uh know i don't know if uh many people have been around facebook at all but over the past couple of days unfortunately um a huge member of the jets uh, the Jets fan community, Mr. Bruce, Mr. Bruce Reader, uh, his battle with cancer was very well documented, uh, both in the New Era, One Team, Our Team Facebook page, uh, and also other various um, New York Jets Facebook pages in which he belonged to, wasn't administrated to, etc., etc. Um, earlier in the week, he lost his battle with cancer, so. Uh, Unfortunately, it's, it's as Jimmy described, it's bittersweet. Now, I did not get the opportunity to meet Bruce uh, face-to-face, um, but I do know he was a an avid listener of Weapons Hot. So, as you can tell, the, the, the mood for today is a, is a little bit somber uh, as we, we're not here to mourn Bruce, as we are here to celebrate Bruce's life, celebrate his fandom, uh, as a New York Jets fan, because that's what we—that's what he would want us to do. He would probably get in every one of our faces and say, "Don't cry about me. You go out there and you—you you bleed green and white. You root for our team. You—you you do what it is that you do, because no matter what, he's going to always be there." And there are a couple of different um, things that I want to talk about this evening in regards to Bruce, as to what type of man um, that he is. Uh, I did put. 
a post out earlier today um, inviting anyone who had the opportunity um, who is within the sound of my voice, who's watching tonight's broadcast, who's maybe streaming tonight's broadcast, um, to say a couple of things, you know, about about Bruce in the comments. Uh, tell us about your fondest memory about Bruce and uh, how it is how he, how he impacted your life. So, Jimmy, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because I know that you got the opportunity to talk with him a little bit over Facebook. And I want you to tell all of us just a little bit about who Bruce Rita was and why he was so beloved amongst Jet fans. And then while you do that, there are a couple of other things that I want to get to uh, as I reached out to a couple of other people who had kind of their own thought, their own thoughts and their own words about Bruce, and I would like to read those on the air tonight. I, I didn't get the privilege of, of meeting him. Uh, I, I kind of posted in the group today as well. I think... Bruce was kind of like larger than life when it came to this to this team and to the fan base. And you know, starting this group, running it, and just his ability to touch so many people in a positive way. Like that was one of the first things that I knew or that my impressions of him. Um, I got into New Era about four years ago, and the one team, our team catchphrase and the the positivity, because I was in another group, I'm not going to name it, another pretty big group, so I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. Uh, it was just real toxic. It was real negative, and I didn't like it. And uh, Anthony Triola actually invited me over to the New Era group, and, and I got to, you know, interact with all these, all these guys. Uh, Sonny Shades, Bruce, you know, Kevin Robbins, Chapo, like all the all the guys um, throughout the group and, and, you know, online got to know everybody quite, quite well. And the biggest thing that I could always say about Bruce is he was always such a positive force in Gangrene Nation and Jets Nation. And he always was a voice of reason. He was always a voice of positivity, you know, because you know as well as I do, CJ, that you get, you get, Jets fans just go back and forth at each other, man, and, and none of us can ever get along. <laughs> Don't I know it. We always have something that we're fighting about. You know, there was, back when I got into New Era, there was the Geno Smith camp versus the Ryan Fitzpatrick camp. And, and there, you know, those sides were fighting. And Bruce was always like, Hey man, one team, our team, whoever's going to be the best is going to play. Like that positivity was, was the best thing. And, you know, he was such a giant face of the fan base that a couple of years ago, you know, when he, I got a friend request from him and I'm like starstruck. I was like, wow, <laughs> me, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the way he was is he just this was not this was never about him this group was never about him the tailgates at d7 were never about him it was about everybody else and i i i don't have much else to say i'm not i i don't want to i don't want to overstep because like i said i never got the pleasure of meeting bruce but he he definitely touched my life and in a positive way and I can't thank him enough for that. I can't thank him enough for bringing me to everyone 
in these groups and uh, he's probably a catalyst for me you know expanding my youtube channel and my desire to to be kind of a a new york jets pundit or analyst or whatever you want to call what we do but um that's that was that was bruce he lifted everybody up and I, there's not much more i can say yeah i want to share um something with all of you uh, i'm trying to pull it up here so just bear with me um as I wanted people to really understand exactly what Bruce Reader was to the community. Um, I reached out to a, a good friend of the show. Uh, obviously, you know you guys know him as Sunny Shades. Um, his name is Matt Makuchi. Um, he was nice enough to send me a little a, a, a little anecdote um, about you know his uh, his interaction with um with bruce so just bear with me as i'm trying to uh, produce the show and to to get my thoughts together um and he actually wrote this to me and I, i'd like to share this uh on the air with you guys he's been a jets fan for all his life as far as i know he would attend games at chase stadium and was definitely an attendee of the meadowlands he would tailgate with guys like bill trace and his brother, um, who he could not remember his name. He was very close with his nephew, Alex Park, and would regularly attend games with him since he was a child and now he's a full-grown adult. His wife, Louise, was his, was his rock, but was also a Giants fan, but slowly started converting her to the Jets because she realized how much we were, we were a family and how, we all, how it all made him so happy. His main tailgate took place in Section D7, for the last, I would say, eight seasons, he was a frequent vi visitor of Section D10 and Gotham City Cruise tailgates at the stadium ever since Claudio Paolo created it. He was a connection point for basically all the people who have had a voice today, like Euros, Eddie Delgado, otherwise known as El Chapo, Mike Thomas, Kevin Robbins, Sivy uh, uh, Merritt, otherwise known as Meats, and so on. Uh, he changed all of our lives forever. He created a family out of different types of people from personalities and different colors. He was a truly beautiful human man. And, you know, I, I thank Matt for, for uh, sharing that with me. That It's definitely just, just so amazing, the fact that he was there and um, that, he was, uh, that he was able to impact so many people's lives in such a positive way. Uh, before I turn the floor back over to uh, another another one of our squadron mates who has uh, who, who has joined us here. Bruce was one of the uh, her name was Krista Levitas, uh, also from Jets World and also from the Jets Guru, uh, the Jets Guru podcast. Uh, Bruce is one of the kindest men I've ever met. The ability to bring Jets Nation together as a whole was incredible. He was the type of guy who values friendship. He made you feel special. He was truly a good guy. So uh, those were her thoughts, and again, I tried to get as much background on Bruce as I could, um, in the short period of time, I know that this evening, I, I believe there is a viewing for him, uh, you know, uh, somewhere in New York, so I know that they are, they are definitely, um, coming out in droves, uh, 
want to get a couple of these comments on the air really quick. Uh, Mike Bonet, RIP Bruce Reader, Simon Baccarella, I went to a few different tailgates, and Bruce's always felt like family. Everybody was so inviting. Uh, shout out to Daniel Forestine, sad to hear about this. Um, you know, again, if, you, if you've been friends with Bruce Reader, whether you rubbed elbows with him at a tailgate, whether you knew him for years, please, if, if, if you're watching the show, um, just drop in a memory that you have of Bruce uh, so that way we can celebrate him. You know, so, exactly. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce another member of our squadron, Mr. Harrison the Fireball Glazer from the Take, uh, Take Flight Spit and Fire podcast. Just got finished doing a breaking news segment, uh, something which we're going to discuss a little bit here on the show. Um, Harrison, how are you this evening? Great, man. I'm good. I mean, I, I heard about what happened with Bruce and, you know, we're going to get into Moses later. What happened with Bruce is more important because he was he was a Jet, from what I saw, like a, almost like a Jet fan legend in a way. It was pretty incredible, the kind of the person he was, the people he touched. I feel unfortunate that I never got to meet him. Well, I never un unfortunately met him, so I didn't know him, but I saw the kind of the, the amount of people that came forward on area like Facebook that mourned and celebrated his life and shared stories about him. And you mentioned it, CJ. One of the ones that touched me was Krista. From what I read, it appeared to me like he was almost like family to her, is what mm -hmm. it seemed like. Yep. And there were relationships that he had with so many people are really amazing. And again, it's unfortunate I never got to meet him. But like I said, I mean, he touched so many Jet fans' lives. I think, you know, like everybody, you know, we, we always hope to be remembered. That's the most important thing. And he will always live on in all of those. It seems almost like almost thousands of Jet fans that he possibly touched. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's it's amazing that the impact that one person can have, you know, especially when following a, a, um, a professional sports team, you know, when everyone gets together and we all come together and we put aside our petty differences about who the quarterback is, who we don't like as head coach, who we don't like as offensive coordinator, who we think this guy's a bum or that guy's a bum or whatever. When we put aside those those petty differences and we all come together as a community, you, you could really see exactly the impact that, that we had. And Bruce was one of those people that completely just uh, personified it. Um, for everyone who has ever gotten the opportunity to, to reach out to to reach out to Bruce, to interact with Bruce, you know, they, th that's exactly what they've said. They've said that nothing nothing but positive things about how much positivity and how much energy he brought. He cheered with this team with so much passion, so much fire. You know, again, we're, we're, we're not saying goodbye. As long as Bruce is in your heart, as long as Bruce... Uh, at, uh, to your answer, Harrison, yes. <laughs> Only because I'm trying to navigate a couple of different things, so I can't really answer the question that you're asking me. Um, so, you know, hey, listen, it wouldn't be a Weapons Hot episode without some sort of technical difficulty going on. And you know what, Brute? Exactly. So, but nevertheless, you know... It, it, Today's episode is not just about remembering Bruce. It's about celebrating his life. It's about ce it's celebrating his Jets fandom and the love and the support that he spread to other people. We just talked about it when I read a couple of different ex uh, excerpts on the air just a short time ago. So again, I'll, I'll say this. 
if anyone in the comments who is watching this evening, if you've ever gotten the opportunity to uh, rub elbows with Bruce Reed or have you gotten the opportunities to interact with him on Facebook and so on and so forth, please share those uh, share those moments with us as we would like to you know, share them with our viewers, with our audience tonight, so that way we can celebrate Bruce and do exactly what he would expect us to do. If he was here right now, sitting right next to me, he'd look at me and probably go, CJ, you better be talking about Morgan Moses. Or you better be talking about, you know, this upcoming season and about how good our offensive line has the potential to be or how good our defensive our defensive line has the potential to be or, or the fact that, you know, He's probably going to sit here and say, you know, he agrees with both you and Harry, with the with with uh, Harrison and Jimmy that the Jets are going to win double digit games this year, and so on and so on. So, and then most of all, so happy the fact that the Jets drafted, um, they they with their uh, first draft pick, you know, uh, one Zach Wilson, the uh, quarterback of the New York Jets going into this season. Super excited about that. He's a huge Zach Zach Wilson fan. So. A lot of things again to 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 celebrate to Bruce, you know. I, I, when you keep somebody in their heart, and I truly believe this, when you when you keep somebody in your heart and in your mind, they're never really gone. You may not be able to reach out and to touch them, but you know you could always talk to them. You know that you could always hear their hear their thoughts almost. Um, and then by my hand waving over here is I got different flying insects flying around my head. As you can see, I'm over here in the mountains of Georgia uh, doing tonight's show uh, on, on location. You know, Please. I've talked with you, know, you and Jimmy in the past. Like, unfortunately, I didn't get to meet mm. Bruce, but my, I talk about, you know, my grandfather and, you know, how he brought me to my Jets fandom and how much I, I cared for him and watching the games with him. And he's not with us anymore, like so many Jet fans. But like you pointed out, when right before Bruce went, he saw the direction this team is going in. He's seen what Joe Douglas can do. He's got a, he, he saw a little bit of the, the hype of Robert Sala bringing in Zach Wilson. The Jets are going places right now. It's a culture change. It's a franchise change. And I've said it with tweets about my grandfather, and it applies to Bruce and every other Jet fan that came before us. Because we haven't won a Super Bowl, unfortunately, since 1969. There's been a lot of Jet fans that we've lost along the way. Fans like diehard fans that we've lost along the way. And this next Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and Zach Wilson bring us, well, that Super Bowl is going to be for Bruce. That Super Bowl is going to be for my grandfather. That Super Bowl is going to be for every Jet fan that came before us that deserved better and is going to get it now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's only going to make the Super Bowl uh, that much, that much sweeter once we we make it. So we're hoping that you know the Jets will will end up being there. So uh, it won't be immediate. It won't be immediate, but it's going to happen. Yeah, I complete. I completely agree. I do. I completely agree. I want to just segue a, a, a little bit into. Uh, what we're going to talk about again in honor of Bruce Reader this evening, and that's the New York Jets go out and finally get Morgan Moses signed. They upgrade that offensive line. Um, another huge upgrade. We've we've talked about this on a couple of different episodes of Weapons Hot when it was first being reported. Harrison just got finished doing a breaking news video on it, so I'm actually going to turn the floor over to Harrison, and then we're going to swing on over to Jimmy as Jimmy's going to debut uh, for the first time. His brand new segment called The Front Office. So, 
Oh, second time. Sorry. Um, Harrison, take it away. Yeah, it's exciting stuff, man. Jimmy loves to get into the numbers and the technicalities with all that. And I do too. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be good to talk about that stuff. Man. Oh, I'm excited, man. I mean, it's Morgan Moses. Like, this is huge. Like, I've been hyped about Morgan Moses since he came in to potentially, you know, try out with the Jets like a couple of weeks ago. Like, I was so hyped on him. And if you looked at Jets' Twitter, it was the same thing like with Robert Sala being disappointed. People were wanting, you know, upset that it was taking so long. It's because of the quality of player Morgan Moses is. For the last seven years, Morgan Moses has been one of the best right tackles in the NFL for that seven years. And I've heard some people say he could play right guard. And you know what? Yeah, probably sure. The dude's a freaking beast. And I bet he could play right guard. But you want him to tackle. You want that dude at the tackle position. And the best example is I talked about that video I tweeted. I know you guys all saw it, where he manhandled TJ Watt. Like, it's rare for offensive linemen to be quality at manhandling an edge rusher, a guy of that kind of quality like T.J. Watt. And he was dominating the whole time. He has the speed and athleticism to do it. So that kid should be at the tackle. It brings, you know, the, 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 the right guard into question. Could George Fant possibly play that? But the signing of Morgan is huge. I mean, the kid had basically an 86 run blocking grade last year. Huge dominant force in the run. Also good in the pass block. Like I said, one of the better right tackles in the league. We talked about the right side being an issue. Him alone, it's not an issue anymore. Bringing in Morgan Moses, we're good now. We have three studs on a five-man offensive line with Makai Becton, AVT, and Morgan Moses. So I'm psyched, man. I could not love this anymore. It's only a one-year deal and quick before I turn it over. That's a big thing because it took so long to bring him in. That tells us that he obviously wanted a lot of money. He wanted more money than Joe was willing to pay. And Joe's smart. He's a good GM. He's not going to dish it out if it's too much money. So he still brought him in the building, which is what matters. 2021 is what matters. This is the season. He's here. We can worry about 2022 at the end of this season. He's here right now, one-year deal. He wanted too much money, obviously, but the deal got done. So this is amazing, man. I, I love it. I couldn't be more stoked. I don't know if it was about money, actually. I think it was about contract length, and I think that that's where the hang-up was. I think Moses and his camp wanted a few extra years, and I, we all know that Joe Douglas doesn't like to give a bunch of years to players. So I think that might have been where the hang-up was. But what's weird is I feel like why not then like a two-year deal? You know what I mean? Like a two-year, like that just kind of told me maybe maybe he wanted too much time. And I mean, the dude is, I don't have his age in front of me, but I know he's like 31, I think. I maybe think Joe. 31 when season ish, starts. Ish, I could be wrong. I think he's like 31. But I figured, you know, maybe, maybe he wanted three, but even two years, I think he might've just wanted too much money. And like you said, Joe gets value. So he's like, okay, you're worth that. I'll pay you a good amount of money. And he's probably going to get good amount of money, but for one year. And I have the numbers, but we'll go through. Oh, did, I thought they didn't release him yet. Did, did nope, he get released? I got him. Oh, you're the man, Jimmy. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, it uh, gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, the other member of our squadron who made it. So, our squadron is at 100% capacity. Uh, Mr. Kevin Jackson, otherwise known as Spotty Blackman. Kevin, how are you this evening? The addition of Morgan Moses to our offensive line has uh, sweetened the pot just slightly today. Um, on what has been an otherwise ridiculously ass day. Um, it's just been an ugly one for me, guys. Please excuse me. Um, we'll talk about it off air because uh, this is a family show. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, save your angst for 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 after dark show next week, which is which is going to be fun. Little little tease for you there going into July Fourth weekend. But go ahead. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's uh, 
arguably uh, the, the bright spot of my day. Uh, as I'm getting ready to set up for the show, uh, the information comes across that we've uh, increased our offensive line potential to top 10 uh, with some strategic uh, additions going forward. I think that uh, what it is that we've just recognized is Joe Douglas uh, literally grabbing his balls and saying, I'm the 800 pound elephant in the room. And uh, what? I got this, you know what I'm saying? Everybody just chill, relax. I told you I was gonna do it and I'm just gonna do it. And now this is, look, haven't discussed numbers or anything in particular, but um, I think the contract issue has a lot more to do with the fact that they still like George Fant um, and they actually have paid Fant accordingly, right? So um, this is this is something for me uh, to, 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 to just kind of press to look forward to. Um, Mo- Morgan Moses comes in, um, based on the scheme, George Fan is an extremely uh, well-tailored fit for it. I think Moses is a better athlete, obviously. And if he can uh, excel at this at this uh, position, he'll actually justify us being able to release George Fan, saving that uh, that cap space going into next season when we're actually talking about maybe extending him, um, you know, going forward. So uh, that to me is just it, that that's the first thing that jumped out when we started to talk about why. Um, either the money or, or, or the, the length of time uh, is the way that it is with regards to that. Well, isn't George fans money all guaranteed basically now? Look, I know, but will it be next season? No, no, but I think like, and I got, I covered this. When I was talking about it before. We have a lot of money. Like we got money. Like, you know, if we want expensive swing tackle, we can have an expensive swing tackle. Like there's no award for having extra money at the end of the year. Yeah, you know what no. I mean? Well, I mean like that, we can that, keep that, them on. That's kind of not the point. I, I think what I'm talking about more has a lot to do with, functionally how does the line work going forward right because the, the, we, we we brought in George Fant because we were we wanted a, spe- a specific type of player to be on the end now the, you know the, the player personnel has changed since then the scheme the philosophy has changed since then um but I think all of those changes they actually benefit George Fant um then then more than they would actually detract well Kevin let me ask you this does. if I ask you a question do you think George Fant can compete for the right guard spot because I think he could. I mean, he may not win it, but I figured he could. He's massively athletic. I, I think we'd be asking a lot for him to do that. You, then he would now just lose, right? I well, mean, he... well, I mean, you're, you're talking about three positions in three years for a guy that wasn't originally an offensive lineman like that to begin with, right? So, so now you're actually asking him to learn a different skill set that has really nothing to do with what it is that he has been, you know, tasked to do so far. Uh, athletically, do I think it's possible? I don't know. He's a big guy. Is he big enough? I don't know. Is he stout enough? I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if inside fits what it is that he does, especially when, when the benefit of having him on the outside is his athleticism, his speed, and all of those things. Um, I don't know. Guard, guard position would be difficult. Um, I will say this. Uh, also, I think that it bodes well for, uh, um, you know, the the, the likelihood uh, that uh, you know maybe we actually get a, something to shake out at guard a lot faster. Um, than what it is that uh, we might have thought that they would. Um, and, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about the, the Castro rumors and all that going forward, but um, just with the guys that we have here, man, I don't know. Um, a- adding that, adding that, that dynamic to practice, like would you, would you try him out at guard at practice just to see if he's going to be worth it? And how does that detract from some of the young guys like, uh, you know, like uh, the guy that we have been talking about for such a long time? Who actually we think could 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 come in and compete for the spot, but actually hasn't been given a chance yet. So, um, I don't know. This is this is an interesting spot for me to jump in at uh, because I love 
the Morgan Moses signing. Um, but I also think that it kind of, you know, it opens up some some possibilities. Um, I don't know, the, the, the guard, uh, the, the, the George fan at guard, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, but quick, Kev, I mean, I like Morgan it. Moses. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Oh, no, no, no. You can continue. Well, no, I was just going just gonna to say quick, like Morgan Moses, I think, could play right guard. Like, I mean, the yeah. dude's a beast. He's a freaking absolute beast. He's a big dude. He's an mm-hmm. excellent offensive lineman. He can easily play guard. But I just revert back to remember that I watched him, like, physically dominate guys like TJ Watt. Yeah. Like, it's rare for, you know, a guy to be able to be that athletic as well as physically imposing to keep a guy like TJ Watt at bay. So that's would why, it, like, I feel like he it, could play guard, but I want him to tackle. Would, would it make more sense to have Morgan inside and allow that athleticism from Fant on the outside to solidify that we have the best people on yeah, the but line. See, I look at it like the, the edge rusher is always going to be on the edge. So like, that's why mm-hmm. I say Moses at the tackle and maybe guard a fanic or, you know, just switch them. You can still, you still but maybe get, GVR you, wins. I mean, you, it's possible. You, you still get pressure. Up, you still get pressure up the middle. You still get pressure up the middle. Let's not forget it. I mean, the possibility, you know, the, the, possi- the possibility is there's going to be some different rotations that we'll see. I'm sure Jim's going to have an idea that's going to make sense. It's going to sound like it's possible, and we'll see how it works out. I think that what it is that Joe Douglas has done right now is beyond just adding depth. I think he's added a lot of versatility. A lot of these guys play multiple positions, right? If not all of them uh, play multiple positions at this point. We just drafted a guy who's supposed to be, uh, you know, a, a, a possibly all-pro uh, guard. Um, he's been playing tackle the last the last season, and and uh, and, and, and he was dominant. damn good at it. Yeah, was dominant in both positions. So. You know, look, having a guy like having a guy like Morgan Moses, who's been, let me just say, he's been he's been solid, he's been decent his whole career. I think this last season was his best, right? If if, if I'm remembering correctly, but uh, I mean, the, the guy's been at a high level the entire time. So I mean, just adding somebody like that who has that type of experience to what is already going to has to be a, 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 an energy infused offensive line room, man, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the offensive line coach. He's got to be walking around with visible wood all day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so really quick, I want to get this comment on the air. Shout out to Simon Baccarella. Um, My favorite memory was that a home opener a few years back in D7 was mobbed with fans. Had to have been at least 100 fans at D7. I was standing by Bruce, and he had a smile on his face, almost like he was proud of his Jets family. And you know what? I absolutely love that. Just... Again, anyone in the comments, if you've ever gotten the opportunity to interact, to talk to Mr. Bruce Reader, who we are remembering this evening, unfortunately he lost his battle with cancer earlier this week, um, please share your your fondest memories of Bruce so we can get them on the air tonight. Uh, Again, this show is dedicated to him. And you know what? As a matter of fact, this season is dedicated to him. And anyone else out there, like our our good friends... um, uh, Finnegan Summers, you know, who's going through his own battle, you know, uh, you know, this, this show, this entire season is dedicated to you guys because you guys are truly the heart and soul of, of Jets Nation. So now I'm actually going to swing it over to Jimmy so he can, uh, start his, uh, his front office segment. And then we're going to circle back around as we segue into our next topic for tonight. So. We've gotten a little bit of of the numbers. Uh, we're looking at Morgan Moses signing for three point six million guaranteed. He can get, I believe, it was five point three. That's it. 
Fans ass is making more than that. They like George <laughs> Fans. Fans ass they, is making more like, than that. I, the contract can go up to 5.3 mil if he plays 80% of his snaps. Now that's there's probably a little bit more that hasn't been released yet based on on how long this negotiation took. As I said before, I don't necessarily think it was a it was a money thing. I think because he's still getting, I believe it's most of his uh, Washington released him, and they still owed him, I believe, seven point five million. So he got mm-hmm. most of that from them cutting okay. him. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't think it was a money thing. I think that he wants a longer term deal. I believe, obviously, he's thirty years old, going to be thirty one. So that's right around the time when when these guys are looking to have guaranteed money over an extended period of time. Can, can I ask? Um, can I ask just real quick? Um, you said it, they paid him seven million. Um, I think the the Washington owed him, uh, I believe, seven point five million. Is that, that was guaranteed money? I don't know how much of that was guaranteed. I think four point five of it was guaranteed. So I think he got that still. So then, so then, basically, if if the Jets were just here to supplement his salary, what seven million and change, eight million, is what the math getting? adds up. The and math that, adds up. If he got and, four point five plus three point six, I mean, he's just looking at a little bit more than that seven point five. That's and that's where and that's where that's where George Fan is at. So, but but roughly, here's roughly thing, roughly is is like I was gonna say. I I think Morgan Moses is a little bit more athletic than than George Fant. So I would okay. rather have his his lateral movement is top notch, man. He's really quick side to side, and I think you want that at tackle. Um, I'm not saying George Fant can't do that job in this scheme. I think he absolutely absolutely fits. Um, Morgan Morgan is Morgan is the absolute upgrade in this yeah. situation. It's a huge upgrade, just, man. This no, guy just, look, just I, I don't don't let my don't let my 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 standing for a George Fant um, leads you to believe that I don't understand that Morgan Moses is is a much better option for us going no, forward. No, and, and I I'm think just, I I'm think, just saying schematically. I still think George Fan has a lot to offer sure. what we're doing. And I and I, I do just I think that we need to watch that. Now you could also think that Morgan Moses could with his athleticism could go to guard and because with a wide zone, the guards are gonna be asked to, you know, stretch pretty quick. He totally can. And, and I think he'd be dominant there. I don't know, I just watch him like dominate a guy like TJ Watt and like uh, like Kevin just said, just full on wood. And I'm just like, man, I want that dude on the end. Just, I want him like him, his brother, guys like Bosa. Like it's rare to find dudes that can dominate those men. Like that's the point. That's we, rare to find. And he's one of them. We have guys on both sides that were able to do that now, right? Um, Look, the, 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 the best, has best, to be super best, happy right now. Best, best bookends in the league. Best bookends in the league. Hey. Maybe, bro. Definitely possible. Definitely possible. Let's talk about it. Let's talk Definitely about possible. It. But Kai Becton is should have been a pro bowler last year. Should have been. That's Most a damn crame he wasn't a pro bowler. Him, him, and him, as we talked him about, wait, him he, he has an issue right now, but Wade has nothing to do with it. He's just got to get healthy and get right. And, man, him and Moses healthy? Yeah, dude, without question. That If we're talking just bookend tackles, shit, that's top five. That's top five right there, man. John John Benton said John Benton said it exactly right when he was when he did his media availability th- this last week. He said they they asked him about Mackay's weight, and let me just let me just go on a little bit of a tangent on this because our our team will always get this disrespect, and it's always going to happen this way because Robert Sala was talking about was being talked about by the media as a top three coaching candidate all throughout the offseason. He chooses the Jets, and all of a sudden, he, they they barely have him better than David Culler. Are you kidding me? 
get out of here with that. Makai Becton was touted at being one of the most biggest upside tackles in that draft. The Jets drafted him. Now all of a sudden he's got a weight problem. <laughs> this is this Bro, is he was the, fine in college. <laughs> this is the way it's going to be. They they loved him. His side his size was his asset. Remember all that talk pre-draft? Bro, I've been saying it. Dude, he's he's as athletic as guys that are 300 pounds. And Salah like, said it too. Yeah, it's just that's the way it's always going to be. Now everybody wanted Morgan Moses. We have Clarence Nixon in the in the chat that was talking about us being we we stole their free agent tackle. But let me tell you, now that he's a Jet, now the media is going to they're going to write him off. They're going to be like Morgan Moses. Nah, he's he's over the hill. He's past his prime. He's, he's not really going to do nothing. He's really, he's really only had one decent year. That was last yeah, year. Yeah, it's there's going to be some excuse, one excuse after another, and that's just the way it's going to be. But the fact of the matter is, this Jets offensive line is now looking top ten. So without a doubt, I might, I might, I've always, you guys have known me, and I'm not going to back off of it. I said the Jets can win eleven. I'm not saying that's my benchmark. I'm saying the Jets are capable of winning eleven. And I am freely able to admit that maybe that 11 win mark, I, maybe it's a little more reasonable today than it was yesterday. But mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, it is now more reasonable to say a double digit 10 11 win season is on the horizon for us very soon. And no, Clarence, the Bengals are not invading New York. We are going to stomp a mud hole. We can are invading New York. Week nine, Clarence. It's I'll a surge. Week week <laughs> nine, Clarence. I'll let us know. Come through. Um, look, real talk, uh, just really quickly, because I've been saying this all week. Um, I, I started on live rounds and I've I, I tweeted out, you know, whatever, but um the possibility of adding DeCastro to this line actually, and if, if you'll notice my, Ooh, my, my I'd love to talk my, about DeCastro. My, 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 my screen name uh this week, uh if you if you kind of take a look at what it is. That that means what I'm thinking is that no exactly you know, what it means putting putting that line together the way that we did it right and then having a rookie quarterback come into what is a really solid defensive situation or at least we hope or believe that it will be um, I just think we we probably have better weapons in, in quite a few places other than um, you know at corner specifically uh, but I mean look guys uh, the the addition of Morgan Moses to this line. Actually, it, it does more. It it does more than just give us credibility. It actually puts us in a position where we are, you know, we're, we're bordering on being able to dominate um, at that position, right? And and going from a, a a two and fourteen team that that really struggled in every offensive category that was dependent upon offensive line play. I mean, that, that talking about time and pressures on the quarterback, talking about uh, you know the time before contact in the backfield, which is why Le'Veon Bell was 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 looking the way that he was looking in in, in quite a few situations. Um, th this changes the landscape completely and totally. You're you're literally talking about now uh, having what amounts to be, you know, what four four uh, kind of uh, three new starters, excuse me, on the line. And then we're talking about McGovern coming back and, and actually being able to play closer to what it is that he looked like uh, when he was in Denver. I don't know, man. That was the reason why we wanted him to begin with. If, if, if 
surrounding him with with upper echelon talent the way it appears that Joe Douglas is trying to do. Um, he's not really just putting Zach Wilson in the best position to succeed. He's actually beginning with the entire line and having all five of those guys and even the tight ends uh, to an extension um, having situations to win in every case. Yeah, well, Kev, you remember Love Joe you. Douglas when he came in, he said he literally repeated my philosophy back to me, which made me just want to like kiss the man immediately. That football is won and lost in the trenches. That's always how I felt. And that's what he said. Mm -hmm. That offensive line and defensive line, including edge rushers, that's a priority to me. And he showed it from what he's done in free agency with that defensive line, what he's done in the draft with the offensive line, now adding Moses, he is 1000% delivered. And a quarterback needs an offensive line. You gotta be protected. You gotta be able to stand upright. And these are now three studs on a five person offensive line. And, isn't, and, it and, nice, and, isn't it a nice problem to have that we're talking mm -hmm. about this? Like, well, where are we gonna put Fant? Where are we gonna put- I love Fant? it. Where are we gonna put, you know, like all of these these talks, especially in that position group on that offensive line room, I love that we're having to be like, gosh, where's Fant gonna play? Where's Roten gonna play? You know, I love it. I love it. Great problem to have. Same with our wide receiver room. It's a great problem to have where we can start arguing about having too much depth. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. Um, it's a hell of a time to be a Jets fan, guys. Yeah, it just really is. I mean, we're looking at all of these different opportunities to exceed expectations when, you know, it, it's been really such a long time since credibility was a word that could actually be used in any conversation revolving around the Jets, unless you were actually saying it in context of a lack of. Um, we're we're, we're going to, man, uh, if, if, the, if the teaching happens the way that we need it to, if the 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 focus uh, and, and the intent on on the the, the physical and the, the training staff and, and the conditioning staff and the diet and all of those guys the, the, the people who who are responsible for how good physically these guys are uh you know are are, are kept all season um if those things pan out man we're talking about actually seeing I, uh, what what everybody says is unrealistic and exponential change. Uh, Jim, you and I, we've been talking about this for weeks about why 10, uh, a, a double digit win season um, isn't far fetched. Uh, it, it, it's not. We, we, what we have in place now is capable of being functional. And if it, it's, it's capable of being functional enough to where we're going to be in a lot of closed games. And if we're in a lot of closed games, then that's where that talent comes in. And we haven't had the type of talent that we have on the team right now. Talent like this wins. Talent I like have, this wins. Talent like this comes back yeah. in the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? Talent, a, like the, talent like this comes back and after you kick a field goal and comes down and scores a touchdown. Uh, Kev, if like. I may quick, because I'm just looking on Twitter, because this is all breaking news. Like, all this stuff is happening as we've been on the air, as we've been talking about it. So mm -hmm. he, they signed Morgan Moses to a one-year deal. And as I said, you know, it, it's smart by Douglas, I figure, because he didn't want to overpay. I just want to throw out that... Uh, it was, I believe it was Jeremy Fowler. Yes, Jeremy Fowler reported that Morgan Moses had a significant two-year offer from the Jets on the table, but he opted for the one-year in future flexibility. So we still got our man, and I feel like we barely paid. So apparently the Jets did make a decent offer, because that's what I was saying to you, Jimmy. I was like, oh, you know, why not a two-year deal? So that makes sense. They offered an expensive two-year deal, and he, I guess, wants, I guess the ability that if he looks good to maybe 
cash in next year, but the dude's getting old. So, I mean, that's an interesting situation. It's a, it's a weird perspective from the player standpoint at a 30 year old player. You know what it I mean? Is. Like that's, that's weird. Normally they're going to be like, I need, I want more guaranteed over a longer period of time for some financial stability. And, and it kind of is what it is, but that's what I would think. Like I I'd had take a two year deal if I was over 30. I had a guy talking just real quick to touch on, on uh, what Kev was talking about. I had a guy in, in my AFC East group and I was, I was talking about 11 wins and he's like, impossible. He's like, rookie quarterbacks rookie coaches it's not going to happen i'm like well 2009 would disagree with you my friend because that was rex rex ryan's first year mark sanchez's rookie year and we go to the afc east or the afc championship i gotta throw my two cents worth in because you guys have made some great points you guys have been going on and on and on and on and on about this but this is one of the first things that kind of set me off kevin uh, kevin's little little subtones with the word if and you guys know how I feel about the word if, okay? If means absolutely jack in the NFL. That's number one. If this guy stays healthy, we could do this. If, this, if that guy does this, we could do this. No. The if has to turn to when. That's when this team is going to get the credibility that it deserves. And right now, the reason why this team has not gotten any credibility is because we have not beaten anybody worth a damn for us to get any credibility. You could tell me I'm being negative all I want. I just want to be realistic and point out exactly what's going on. It is okay to be optimistic. Now, after the Morgan Moses signing, I am incredibly optimistic about the New York Jets offensive line that we will, in fact, be a middle-of-the-pack of the NFL, possibly even higher graded offensive line than we were last year and definitely on paper you take a look at the New York Jets today as opposed to the way they were at this time last year they are by far a much better football team than they were last year that being said Joe Douglas is trying to do everything in his power to make sure that Zach Wilson has every single weapon in his arsenal number one and number two that the football team around him is much better than what previous Jets regimes did for previous New York Jets quarterbacks, i.e. Sam Darnold, okay? So, that being said, we just saw, you guys brought it up, David DeCastro being let go by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is he somebody now that Joe Douglas puts in the crosshairs and brings in as well? Now, to Jimmy's point about the 2009 Jets, yes... Rex Ryan came in, rookie head coach. Yes, we drafted Mark Sanchez, rookie quarterback, okay? But prior to that, in 2008, the New York Jets still had one of the best offensive lines, if not a top, top uh, at the minimum, a top five offensive line in the NFL. Where was this offensive line ranked last year? I think we were ranked 33rd out of, uh, out of, 32 teams in the NFL. I think a, pee- a peewee football team could have beat this team. Okay? We got a 2-14 record to show for it. And until we kick off the regular season, that 2-14 is going to be continually brought up along with the disrespect that comes behind it until we do what we need to do, which is go out there and win football games. So, I get the optimism. I'm just as, optimist- I'm just as optimistic as you guys 
but I still want to see this team when the rubber meets the road. Oh, man, you brought up David DeCastro. I really can, – can we talk about David DeCastro for a second? Yep. Because that's exciting. I mean, me and Kev were talking about this earlier. Like, Morgan Moses is a huge upgrade on its own, like immediate right tackle, plug-and-play elite. You bring in David DeCastro, like, I can't contain myself. Like, yeah. that line just became literally elite. Like, you just created a line where Connor McGovern is the weakest link. Right. That line is now stacked. Like that line is stacked upon stacked. So years, just to talk about years, David DeCastro, because I, I love this kid. Like, even though I want to say he apparently has an ankle injury that he's been suffering from, but he's continued to play through it. And not only that, he's continued to play through it at an elite level. Like he's still been elite. So if he can get his ankle injury sorted out and he gets ready to go and he wants to keep playing, then we got to do this. So it's an interesting area of what he wants to do. But if, if he says he's good to go, it's David DeCastro. I mean, I'm a, I've been a big fan of this guy. As you guys know, I'm a big offensive line guy. I'm a big fan of David DeCastro. Like if he says he's good to go, like I want that kid. Like to give you an idea of who David DeCastro is, out of his eight years playing, he's a six-time pro bowler. In the last four years alone, over 3,845 sacks. He's only allowed two sacks. That's it over those four years, too. And if you look at his whole eight-year career, over 8,077 snaps, this dude only gave up 11 sacks. Like, he is elite. He's amazing. I think Canton waits in this dude's future. So if we could bring him in, I compared it to, like, and ironically, they were the same number from the same team. I look at it as, like, when the Jets brought in Alan Fanica, bringing in an elite guy from the Steelers. And we've gotten some elite linemen from the Steelers. we got Fanica. we got Willie Colon. I mean, this would be a great move. So it comes down to his health. But if he says he's ready to go, man, I want him. Like, I want him bad. This kid is elite. Look, this is this again is is kind of what it is that I was talking about when you talk about 2009 because you brought in some talent to an offensive line that was already kind of uh, you know on, on the rise, right? And then you solidify some things with what it is that you do with your run game, and then you focus on run first, which is what this offense is going to be. You're going to give your young quarterback an opportunity not only to uh, to have the ability to take shots, but to be the ability to take shots without pressure in his face, right? And the guy who's as talented as, as as everybody seems to talk about Zach Wilson actually is, you're, you're, you're again, you're creating an opportunity uh, that very few teams really have the opportunity of, 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 of capitalizing on. And, and, and that again, leads me back to what it is that we've all been talking about here and that, you know, first year head coaches uh, historically have done well. And I think that when you continue to compound what it is that we're seeing Joe Douglas do with his, his, his personnel decisions, how can you how can you not be excited? And, and again, I, I I'm I'm thankful to have CJ on on the show to discuss, uh, you know, kind of a, a realistic look at where it is that we're at. And I think we need realistic. Case, is we bring a Morgan Moses, I'm ready to run through a wall. Well, like, you I'm know ready what? to go. I I want to I want to keep this in perspective because Morgan Moses was right in the spotlight last week, right? So, I mean, if anybody watched the show last week, you kind of understood where it is that I was at with regards to bringing that guy in. I thought, and I still do, that bringing him in totally transformed what it is that we do on this offensive line. Point blank period, the end. Yes, do I like George Fettis' athleticism? Yes, before the Morgan Moses uh, name actually even came into conversation, did I think we were still going to have improvements at that, at that spot on the line? I did. But this guy right here is an immediate impact player. 
is an immediate impact player. And and what we're talking about in 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 bringing guys like this in, um, is 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 taking it a step beyond what it is that we did when we brought in, um, old buddy from uh from Carolina. Excuse me, why am I drawing a blank on his name? The center, um, Ryan Khalil. Yeah, Khalil. Excuse me, we brought Khalil in. Um, and Kevin, really quick, I just need to interrupt you. I just want to get a couple of comments on the air, really quick. Shout out to Miss Patricia Unger. Uh, condolences and prayers to the Reader family. Uh, thank you, Patricia, for joining us. Shout out to Nico Bauer and to Lowell Litchmore and to Sean Steele, Mike Bonet. Um, tremendous comments in here uh, uh, being left in the uh, comment section. Again, keep them coming, especially if you have gotten the opportunity to tailgate, speak with, interact for Mr. Bruce Reader, who is the star of our show today. Um, in case you missed the beginning of the show and you're tuning in late, um, Mr. Bruce Reader, Jets superfan, um, earlier in the week lost his battle with cancer. Um, tonight's show is dedicated to him and for everyone who got the opportunity to interact with him both face-to-face -face and also via Facebook through the New Era One Team Our Team Facebook page, um, please be sure to send your uh, thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the Reader family as we think about them. Uh, through this uh, through this very difficult time for them. And we are here on this evening's uh, show celebrating Bruce, not mourning him. We are celebrating him because this is a celebration of Bruce and his passion for the New York Jets, and he would want it, and I'm sure his family would want it no other way. So, Kevin, again, apologies. Please continue. Actually, I want to apologize because I had not addressed that um, up until this point in the show. And uh, be, be, before I feel like I do any more disrespect, my most heartfelt condolences to everyone who has ever been touched by Bruce Reader. Uh, just bottom line, I mean, everything that I know about that guy is that everyone that knows about that guy has really high opinions of, uh, of, of who it is that he was and what it is that he will continue to mean to our Jets community. And again, uh, as, as much as we're going to, dedicate this show to him and let me let me get back to that um also i think that the team and, and the tailgates and and i hope i get an opportunity to get up to metlife this season um we're going to also be dedicating it to uh, to bruce as well and i'm really excited about that uh because uh as you can tell if you're if you're related to anything jets at all you've, you've been impacted by this over the course of the past few days so uh condolences uh sleep in peace king uh, thank you for everything, Bruce. Uh, we, we most definitely love you. We appreciate you, and uh, prayers to your family, um, as well as as well as Jess' family around the world. Okay. Um, but uh, excuse me, just to get back to the offensive line. Pardon me. Um, David DeCastro, I think, is a little more in line with with the, with the Ryan Khalil addition because I think he's closer to the end of his career than he is. Um, to the beginning, um, I think Morgan Moses, as of right now, is in is is in a, a really uh, good spot, I guess, for us to kind of have this contract situation with him, um, because going into these next couple of seasons is when you expect to see decline um, in players at his position around this age. Uh, but you know, the possibility. Well, actually, is, uh, just quick, I actually oh. just looked it up. Moses is only thirty right now. Yeah, man. So he'll be 30 throughout this year, next year, 31. We've seen linemen, you know, linemen can play an elite level at 32, 33. This so true. this next season or two, I think that might be why he's betting on himself. Like Jets made a big offer, but I guess he thinks he's going to play elite. And hell, if he wants to play elite, I'll take it. 
That means he was a lead for us. Then, then, then the reality of that situation is, and you're right, he gambles and he, he, he wins, but he has to play well in that regard. Um, and and that he does, we win. If, 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 exactly. If, it's if, a win-win. If, but look, look, <laughs> then, then, then I, I think the difficulty then becomes um, how do you justify all of the contracts uh, that you're going to have to dole out to your offensive line? And does that affect what it is that you do peripherally, right? Because, you know, if he's going to go, if, if, if he comes in and he plays at the level that he's been playing at, Joe Douglas is going to have no choice but to extend him next season. Or, or I think Rick, fans will be cool with. Yeah, like, I, we have the money. And, well, look, I, don't, I don't think, and, and, and that again is why I say I think this is another, uh, you know, chestnut checkers move uh, by Joe Douglas. Um, we'll, we'll see how this, how this plays out. I think we'll see how a lot of other situational uh, things are going to play out with regards to the money. But Joe Douglas has proved um, that he's not, uh, he's not playing games with how it is that um, the groundwork is, is laid out for how much it is that we pay um, and how much we value each guy in each position. I, I think it's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you. It's a little difficult because of the Marcus May situation, right? Not to get too far off. But uh, that in itself is, is, is going to be hard because Marcus May is a beloved player. But um, in the contract, in, in, in the grand scheme of uh, a player of his age, who's, he's going to be what? He's going to be nine, 94 next season. Um, when are you going to- Would you stop? Come on now. You're putting him up there with like Methuselah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Was he going to wheel a wheelchair out there? He's going to be out there with a walker? Okay, guys, hang on a second. <laughs> no, no. That, but so, what are they going to pump him, dude, pump him up full of formaldehyde like they did to Frank Gore last year when they wheeled his ass out there? Come on, stop now. It, it, Talk it about be, Marcus, man. It would be better than what we had last season um, on the offensive line. But, yeah, we are talking about Marcus May because Marcus May is going to be 30 years old. And how much do we really want to pay, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a second contract to a 30-year-old safety? Who, and, and again, I'm not saying that this is a prevalent, you know, aspect of his uh, his career here, but I mean, he does have some injury concerns, right? And, I mean, I'm I'm not saying. I got a question for you, Kevin. Okay, Nico Bauer chiming in. Okay, um, what about Tristan Hoge? Do you think he makes the roster facing this competition? Fant could also compete for right guard too. He could. Um, Hoge, I love, and Jimmy and I discussed this guy, this kid, uh, a few different times, right? But um, look, if he does make this team, he's a beast. A good depth guy that could actually take over the starting role once he's ready. And, and that means that he has the type of versatility that we want on this line, which means that he's going to be able to compete at multiple positions, right? If, if he can do that now, we're in good shape. Yeah, that's the point. Like Kev said, we... we Options are good. We have options in so many other positions. Depth, you need that. Different players want to, you know, lining up and playing people differently. Right. At offensive line, you don't switch people out, but you have options. Guys, you know, who's going to be the guy? Like Jimmy said, that's a great problem to have. You want, it's a great you, problem you, to have. Who's going to be the guy as opposed to, wait, which guy do we need to, you know, step up and stuff? You want to be multiple basically at every position, right? I mean – just think about that. You, in every single position, you want to be multiple. You want to be able to do more than one thing. Um, that gives you the flexibility or that gives the coaching staff the flexibility um, to do things that distract and, and, and disarm and, and, and create disarray, right? Um, and, and the film, you know, the film is what it is. You, you get film and you say, look, we know what you're going to do. Can you stop it? Yeah. Kev, I look at it as I think Fant 
it from what we see, it looks like Greg Van Roten looks like the starter right now at right guard, which I'm yeah. cool with. I talk about how I like him. I think he's got really good technique. He's not the strongest, but like Alex Lewis, who's the opposite, who's a freaking bull with horrible yeah. technique. Like yeah, I've compared right. him to James Carpenter. It looks like I joke when he gets in the offensive line, it looks like a deer bucking, like bucking somebody because he wins by just being a brute of a man, which is great. But I take the Van Roten, the guy with the footwork, the handwork. I take that every time. So Van Roten could beat out Fan. Like it's very possible. Like Van Roten, I think Fan should get the opportunity. Opportunity, but Van Roden could definitely beat him out for that great right. spot. Yeah. Fant is athletic enough to, to be able to make it interesting. That's for sure. What do you what do you yeah. what do you th- what do you think about this, Jim? I mean, are you are you kind of sitting on the fence with this or uh, uh about what? I guess where Moses can be on the line. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just want him to tackle him. I made my argument. I just made that. I feel like yeah. what I. That's my big thing. Like he can play guard, but I think Jimmy's zoned out through the entire conversation because I think he probably feels the same way that I do. That we kind of beat this. We we beat this horse with a stick. We've kind of been talking about this for several weeks. It's not just the offensive line. There's still a lot of other positions on this team. Yes, the offensive line is probably the one of the most. Uh, neglected, criminally neglected. One of the um, uh, things that I want to segue, and this is probably going to be our last topic for tonight, uh, as as we uh, we we start to head into the seventh inning stretch of tonight's show, so to speak, is uh, the backup quarterback position. Right now, we have Zach Wilson as your starter. You got James Morgan and Mike White on the roster as your two quarterbacks from behind. All right, I want to know, truthfully. Do you guys feel confident in the backup quarterback position currently constructed going into the regular season this year? We're going to start in reverse order here. We're going to start off with Jimmy, go to Kevin, finish up with Harrison, and then I'm going to put my two cents in. I absolutely am confident in our current wide receiver, or our, I'm sorry, our current quarterback team. 100%. James Morgan, he can do the job. Mike White, if need be. He can do the job. And do you want to know why I feel this way? Because we have a real coaching staff now. Let these kids get the reps. We don't need to go spend the money. I I, I would have loved to have grabbed maybe a Brian Hoyer or something, get a little bit of veteran in there, you know, a little bit of that still might be that still might be possible too, right? It it might be, but we don't need to, is my is my thing. I fully trust LaFleur. I fully trust our quarterback room. I fully trust Sala. And I just let the kids get some reps, man. We'll finally have a preseason so that you know that I, I think we can safely say that uh to that crowd that says we don't need a preseason. I think we can finally put that baby to bed, uh, because it absolutely is necessary to have preseason. But I, I really like I really like where we're at. And I think James Morgan can manage a game if he's trained to manage a game. And we have quarterback coaches now. We have people to do the job. Yeah, CJ, that feels like a take you should get mad at, bro. Like is, we don't need preseason. Listen, I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna save my, my fire and brimstone and vitriol for next week's episode of Weapons Hot After Dark because first off, as you can see, I'm out in the great outdoors. Second off I don't want the neighbors over here that are actually still here to think I'm some sort of psychopath and call the cops on me. We're going to see you taken away at the end of the show. Right. And third, it's a family show. Like I said, there's, 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 I have a lot of different thoughts on preseason and, and so on and training camp and so on. But again, I'm going to say I'm going to reserve my right to comment on that 
next week when we talk on Weapons Hot After Dark. So that Trump card is in my back pocket. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, the backup quarterback position. And, uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy kind of leads me to or, or reminds me that uh, this is actually the first coaching that James Morgan is, is receiving. Yeah. Is, is that right? Like, yeah, they might as well. Have you want. Madden. You want that? I said that last year. Playing Madden. Yeah, I said that last year, bro. Adam Gaze couldn't develop Sam Darnold, a quarterback that had potential. What's he going to do to a blank slate like James Morgan? By the end of the season, Morgan would have been throwing behind him. <laughs> James, James Morgan probably went home every night and just ate Pop-Tarts and watched cartoons because, yeah. yeah. like, I mean, there's, there's nothing that could lead me to believe that he received anything even remotely similar to uh, competent coaching. So look, the fact of the matter is this is this is this is really a difficult thing to answer because we, we don't know if these guys and and, and I know we, we know that Morgan isn't a physically talented, you know, athlete the way that you know we expect that the that Zach is gonna be and, and the way that we've actually seen kind of yeah. we, we've seen Mike White move a little bit, right? But 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 we but on we, a coffee run for everybody. But. Yeah. No, Mike White's got a gun. He 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 actually showed a little bit of it in uh in. Wait for in, my uh, take. In, I got I got your Mike White. Wait for he me. Does. I got yeah. you. He does. Look. Okay. Uh, look. We, 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 I think Jimmy Jimmy makes a point, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit kind of in the middle on this, just because I know that right now Zach is getting all the work. Those guys really are not gonna get substantial enough work to be able to do what it is that we are looking for them to be able to do. Um, but but I'll say I'll say this. I'm confident that they can get mm-hmm. it done, especially in this system. And I think again, uh, something that we've all discussed uh, with with this uh, surrounding the uh, uh, foundation of knowledge. I think th- this is this is the best situation that we've been in in quite some time. And again, that is one of the most important aspects of everything that yeah. we're excited about. All right, go ahead, Harrison. You're up. Yeah, I think both of you guys make great points, like excellent points. And it comes back even to Robert Sala. In uh, a more recent interview, they asked him, I don't remember who it was, but I, as you know, at my company, I do a lot of, I bring you guys all the interviews and stuff. Uh, they interviewed, they asked him about the backup quarterback position, and I thought he answered it perfectly. He said, hey, we like the young guys that we have in there right now. I mean, if, if we bring in a veteran, he didn't say this part, but if, if they bring in a veteran, he's going to have to learn the system and learn everything just like a rookie would have to anyway. And he likes what he sees in these two guys. This is what he said. He said he likes what he sees in these two guys, and we're not going to bring in a veteran yet. He did say the word yet, which I think is a great answer because, you know, like like Jimmy said, there's no one really great left available. Hoyer's gone. Mullins is gone. Anyone you bring in isn't the best option really as a backup. And bringing them in, they're still going to have to learn the system. So, and you can bring them in later. They're veterans for a reason. So I think, you know, the pads are going to be going on to the training camp. Robert Sala saying yet, I think was the key. He likes what he sees in these two young guys. He thinks there's potential there. He wants to see what they bring to the table. And if you need to bring in a veteran, you bring him in halfway through training camp. You bring him in the beginning of the preseason. There's plenty of time to do that. But let's see what these two young kids got. And I know this is off because a lot of people love Morgan. And I like Morgan too, man. If you guys remember, my whole thing was I thought the Morgan pick wasn't bad. I said it was actually a very good pick when Joe Douglas made that decision because he didn't know what Flacco was. But Morgan throws an unbelievable deep ball. That kid's got a great deep ball, like a cannon. Beautiful deep ball. But I know I don't, you know, I can only see what the beat writers show us. I'm not there. I can only see what I've seen. But from what I've seen and what I know, I kind of like lean toward Mike White. 
I mean, I felt like when they did things like that footwork drill, Morgan looked sluggish as shit, but White looked pretty damn athletic, like almost as athletic as uh, Zach Wilson. I mean, not that athletic, but uh, much better than Morgan did. And like uh, CJ pointed out, he throws a good ball. But the best thing I like about Morgan is they raved about this and the draft he went is his football IQ. His football IQ is what they say off the charts. Like they say you talk to this kid and he runs you through things that you couldn't even think of. Like they say he has an amazing football like you. So I like Morgan, but don't shortchange White. Obviously, Salah feels one of these guys might be able to step up. And hey, if they can't, you bring in a veteran once you see what they can do in pads or even the preseason. Yeah, I completely I say, understand. So I, go ahead, Jimmy. Bag, I say throw a bag of money at Josh McCown to come back as a quarterback assistant coach. Well, here's another thing, Jim, and I think this, like people want a quarterback mentor, but when you think about it, that's really what, you know, the quarterback coach is supposed to be. So you said it, Jim, you said, I believe in Robert Sala and this staff. I totally agree. I believe in Robert Sala and this staff. So I think him not bringing in a mentor guy to be in his ear for Zach, I think that's why his way of saying, I trust the staff I put together. Like I trust the quarterback coach that I brought in. That goes yeah. a long way. That goes a long way with the players as well, with with Zach Wilson, James Morgan, and Mike White too. Like that that statement makes them say, oh, "Okay, they got our back. Fair, let's do it." Yeah, I guess my feelings on the backup quarterback situation is this. I mean, I do like James Morgan. I do like Mike White. Both have impressed with OTAs and also mandatory mini camps as far as throwing the ball, as far as situational um, football is concerned. So that being said, I still would like the Jets to go out and to bring in a veteran only because of the fact that you want somebody who can teach these kids how to be a professional, despite the fact that we have a quarterback's coach on the roster, which is something we haven't had for a very long time. I still would like a veteran to come in and to push these rookies a little bit more, even especially the guys that are, that are coming in and being given opportunities um, to get reps and to show exactly what they can do. Just so that way we make sure we, we uh, leave all the cards on the table. Shout out to Carl, uh, Carl Falk in the comments. Um, he actually said we need to make a trade for folds but wait until camp. And the reason being is because the veteran can help break down defenses, looks, and reads. You are looking at the wrong side of the ball when you say a veteran has to learn the offense. That isn't the point. That would help the Jets out the most. Um, now... Uh, one of the things that I, I do agree with Carl to an extent, however, you make that trade for Nick Folds, it's, Folds has to come over here with the understanding that he's not going to start. He's going to be a backup. Now, you know, look, he won a Super Bowl with Philly being a backup to, Car to, to Carson Wentz. Now, as long as he come, if the Jets should make a trade for him, and they bring him over here and decide to take on that contract or whatever the heck it is that, that they're they're going to do the one thing that I'm kind of looking at from the Nick Folds perspective is I want him coming over here with the understanding that he's not going to start because I think that if he comes over here and we make a trade that he may think that he's going to get an opportunity to start now, I don't want that okay you if you're bringing a veteran quarterback in here they need to understand what their role is on the team so, and the problem is, is that we've seen a lot of veteran quarterbacks come in here that we we saw. We saw it with Joe Flacco. Okay, Joe Flacco basically did. Uh, uh, Joe, Joe Flacco basically did absolutely nothing to help Sam Donald. Did absolutely nothing to help anybody else. He was he was he 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 just looked like a complete not a pedophile. Okay. 
realistically, you, know, you you can't expect a veteran quarterback to come in and teach a guy with how to how to read a, a defense when he doesn't know the offense. Right. So so that's why, like for me, one of the things that I would have liked to see the Jets go after, if I'm going to go after somebody who's who's who has definitely intimate knowledge of this offense, you know, even though Nick Mullins has already been signed, you know, there's there's still C.J. Beathard. You know, you could still go out there and get and get a C.J. Beathard. You know, uh, I, I I wouldn't mind coming in. Uh, I I wouldn't mind um, having him come in and actually take a look. You know, at at this offense and so on and so forth. Seeing the fact that he's been exposed to a Kyle Shanahan offense, he could probably show the kids. You know, he um something that maybe they haven't seen before, or maybe help them out with with different spots. But again, that's what you also have a quarterbacks coach for. So, and I I, I kind of agree with Jimmy's point where. The reason why the Jets have not brought in a veteran at this time is because I think that they have confidence. Robert Sala has confidence. My, uh, Michael Floor has comment. Well, Jimmy also made the same uh, same point point as well. So I'm you know, stealing my thunder, Harrison. You know, basically, the what it is is that Robert Sala has more than enough faith and more than enough confidence in the guys that he's brought in here that they can proficiently teach the system to the kids, and you know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll completely talk about it. You know, com- they can, they can basically talk to, talk the kids down off the ledge, stop them from seeing ghosts or whatever, whatever's going to be the next tagline. Cause it just gets ridiculous after a while, but that's the direction that I would go. We probably won't see anything more than that until training camps officially open. We still got a few weeks for that. So with that, let's wrap up with final thoughts. We're going to start with Jimmy. We'll go to Jax. Then we'll go to Harrison, and I'll finish it off. My final thoughts are are, are pretty much going to be kind of how I opened um, our show. Uh, Bruce, while I didn't get to meet him, was a very positive influence in my New York Jets life. And I think that because of him, we have we all have a responsibility as Jets fans to, to be better and to bring his vision of who we are as a group um, into reality. So um, I'm going to use that as, as motivation to try to do better on my end and try to bring a little bit more positivity back to, back to our, our Facebook groups, our channels. Um, Bruce was a helpful person. And I think, I think we all can, we can all do a little bit better. So I want to thank him for that. And I want to thank everybody for, for listening to us talk about it. So that's all I got, man. All right. Um, because I came in late, obviously I, I, I missed, um, what I'm, I'm sure was, um, a, a kind of a heartfelt, um, expansion on, the, the the basic overall you know kind of spirit of, of jets football this week um it, it it's ironic that uh bruce gave so much uh you know kind of insight and wisdom to folks and 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 hope you know what i'm saying and and, and always you know the one jets you know that's it man you know um and and I think we're going to ball out this season. And I think that, uh, you know, I think the Lord called Bruce home, 
you know, in a situation where he'll have better seats to watch us kick ass this year. So um, real talk, uh, a lot of love to the family, uh, a lot of respect to not just him, but everyone today who has learned from him and who has who has taken something from uh, Bruce this evening. So, you know, uh, 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 a lot of love, hugs, condolences, prayers, uh, but but positivity, right? Because this is really what it means um, when we talk about Jets family. Um, this year, as as a family, as a family, we're going to be able to to kind of celebrate Bruce. We're going to be able to we're going to be able to pour a little out at at the tailgate. Um, as he comes in, just to just to kind of show some love, but let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, my final thoughts, Bruce, get ready, get get your popcorn ready, bro. It's gonna be a good season. All right, Harrison, finish it off. Yeah, man. Uh, on that same note, I mean, like we said, this whole episode, this whole season, the next Super Bowl, as I mentioned, is is dedicated to Bruce and all these fans that went before us. Kevin nailed it when he said Jets families. That's what I was going to say. As you guys know, you guys who tune in to over here, my Take Flight Spit and Fire podcast, I start every single episode the same. And I start every episode with just, what is up, my Jets family? It's how I always start my episodes, because that's what we are. We're a family. And you remember I made, you know, my points in the past, like with that New Yorker thing where you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. We always come together. We, you know, protect each other. We really are a family. And, you know, they always say, you know, people live on in the hearts and minds of the people that remember them, that they live forever in the people who they touched, the people whose experience they shared with them. And with Bruce, it's amazing. So I didn't, unfortunately, have the opportunity to know him or meet him, but it's huge. I see on Twitter, with, sorry, not just Twitter, but mainly Facebook, with how many people he's touched and and want to share their personal stories of what happened with him. And yeah, they will live forever in, he will live forever, you know, in their hearts and minds. And it's th- th- this, where we're going right now, there's trajectory, things are getting better. We have the right pieces in place. We mentioned Bruce, you mentioned other people that are sick and ill right now. It's like I said earlier, there's been a long time since our last Super Bowl. And we've lost a lot of Jet fans along the way. And this next Super Bowl that Zach and Sala and Douglas bring us is going to be for all of them. Like Kev said, get your popcorn ready, Bruce. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just really quick. Um, uh, again, uh, the Weapons Hot family would like to send their thoughts and prayers and condolences to the Reader family during this very difficult time. And again, I did not get the opportunity to... Uh, meet Bruce face to face but I did interact with him on Facebook uh, and he was uh, a viewer of our show so tonight's show has been dedicated to him uh, as well as this upcoming season and if you haven't already had the opportunity please reach out to the reader family um, pay your respects and also um, also please give your thought uh, keep your thoughts and prayers uh, the people in the new era group um, who are very very close to Bruce uh, everyone who has touched his life, uh, as everyone, we, we all mourn together, but we celebrate him together. So just remember that. It's not a mourning, we are celebrating Bruce. And we're going to continue to celebrate him throughout this entire season. So with that, we love you and go Jets. And that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me, JetsFan0523. My partners in crime, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman, Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy, and Mr. Harrison the Fireball Glazer at NY Jets TF Media.
All right, so you could also follow us on our Facebook page. If you haven't already liked and subscribed to it, please go ahead and do so. Uh, Weapons Hot also has a, a YouTube channel called Weapons Hot After Dark, which is an uncensored version of this show that we do on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to Arrow Marks, Speedy Petey, Joshua Silverberg, um, and everybody who makes the Worldwide Sports Radio Network world go round. Uh, we thank you guys. We love you guys so much. So, uh, in honor of Bruce Reader this evening, as we let you go, we are going to leave you guys with the best chant in the National Football League. We got it together. Right. Ready? The, the four of us. Ready? On three. One, two, two three. three. J E T S Jets. 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 That was going too that slow, was man. You got to like, we need, we, need, we, need, we need five minutes. We tried. We tried. <laughs> that was All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in tonight. Peace, love, go Jets. Don't forget to catch us next week at 6.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And then shortly after that, be sure to check out social media for the times and also the links to check out Weapons Hot After Dark. Next week, we have a very special guest going to be joining us. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who the guest is until we start promoting the show during the course of the week. Because that's just the kind of host I am. Keep you guys on the edge of your seats. So again, thoughts and prayers to the Reader family. Go Jets. We love you guys. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been Weapons Hot. Wise Guys is coming up next on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.